FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 484 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked, I'm your host Jason and we are here to continue our coverage, our weekly coverage of the 10 lives and deaths of Wolverine. And we're going to focus on 10 deaths number 3. But of course before we get to that, we got to cover our little Marvel Unlimited Wikipedia comic, Life of Wolverine number 6. So we're going to jump right into that. We have actually quite a bit of other stuff I think we'll talk about in the episode, but first things first. So we're going to jump to our Life of Wolverine number 6, which of course is on the Marvel Unlimited app exclusively, and it's kind of the Life and Times, a better title maybe, <laughs> Life and Times of Wolverine, um, but it's written by Jim Zub. Art by Ramon Box, colors by Hava Tartaglia, letters by VCs Joe Sabino, production by Annie Cheng and Tim Smith III. Now, this one focuses on kind of the time leading up to Weapon X. This is Chapter 6, Life is a Weapon. And talks and Jean talks about, and this is all kind of, Jean's our narrator here, because she's Days of Future Pasting, um, Logan's consciousness into these different time periods and as through the travel she's kind of taking note of Wolverine's history in kind of a chronological order versus you know the order we've seen it in comics history uh, through the time so it talks about you know there's a lot of a lot of holes and, and kind of fuzziness in his memory even now which is something and of course Benjamin Percy plays with a lot but um you know his time as kind of the animal, and his time in Jasmine Falls, um, where he was training, but was kicked out because one time he accidentally popped his claws during training. So they told him, you know, you figure out whether you want to be a man or an animal, and until then, you don't come back. Yak and yak. Um, And he left, and talks about how he's been manipulated his whole life, um, when, you know, of course, Itsu was killed and he didn't know about Dawkins until, until way, way later because of Romulus, but meanwhile, he's just kind of running out in the woods and he, we find out when he encounters Miramasa and the blade is made from, with a piece of his, if not his soul, at least some of his blood and becomes just a sort of devastating power. And then he's contacted by Victor Creed, who is also being manipulated and mind-controlled by Team X and Romulus and everybody else. And um, talking about how the memories get jumbled, but he's recruited by Creed, and he thinks he's a free operator, but he's not. He's constantly manipulated as people pulling the strings and, you know, is being mentally kind of controlled as well. And of course, we have all that through like the Weapon X days and and all that. But we find out, you know, it's, it's really interesting. It's just a short little line here. I think it's been stated before, but this is... Seeing it kind of in order <laughs> brings some clarity to it. But it talks about how, you know, because oftentimes in our flashback episodes, Cameron and I, I know others have talked about, like, Whenever there's scenes of him in, in the past, like flashbacks in our flashbacks, um, 
and he doesn't pop the claws or it talks about his claws being implanted or, or created, we always kind of said, in adamantium, because, you know, the bone claws are not known about at that time. So, kind of the headcanon and the retcon, that most, I think, readers have come up with, is just, well, he's, for whatever reason, he elected not to use them at that time. So, in that World War II story with Captain America and Black Widow, you know, he just he chose not to use his claws for whatever reason. Maybe he didn't want Captain America to know he was a mutant or whatever. So this says, and I'm really trying to remember how much this has or hasn't been explored. So Jim's up maybe actually, if not adding something, then at least giving it clarity by putting it kind of in chronological order. But um, he says, for years at a time, you forget that you have claws or any mutant powers at all, which... Is that second one really kind of caught me by surprise? Because I don't remember there being a lot of flashbacks where he was not supposed to have his healing factor. But I like the idea, though, that there were times that he was just reckless because he was just Logan. And because, you know, he was had that kind of berserker in him, but he didn't really know what was going on. So, anyway, I really like this idea of, of the idea that because he was so manipulated mentally that he actually went on missions and didn't know uh, he was a mutant and didn't know that he had claws. It's, it's an interesting thing to think about. Um, there's also a story that I may have missed. <laughs> so I guess during the uh, all the um, King and Black stuff or, or the lead-up to it or whatever, there was a flashback where Logan and Nick Fury fought the symbiotes um, in Vietnam. And I don't think I ever read that. <laughs> so I didn't know it happened, maybe. Or didn't know that Logan was in a story about that, so I didn't read it. Or if I did, I completely forgot about it, which is also possible, especially you know, some of that Noel stuff was really not that good. So I kind of read it and flushed it. <laughs> um, so it's possible. Maybe I did read it. Maybe I even talked about it on here. I don't know. But I don't remember this at all. Um... So if I just missed it and didn't talk about it, I think my making light of it and let you know what my opinion probably would have been. <laughs> so just assume that was my review. <laughs> um, anyway, then we get full T-Mex. Um, talks about, you know, Creed and Maverick and meeting Omega Red. And some pretty cool art here. And, you know, how his mind is wiped after all the assignments. And how it's being tested. And... You know, Department K after that. Um, and just more and more shadow organizations. There's a picture of him fighting the Hellfire Club. Um, and, you know, another interesting thing is that Gene says, you know, you, you knew something was off. Like, you should have seen the signs and what was coming. But you didn't. You were caught off guard. And that's how you were kidnapped and brought to Weapon X. And then that's where this chapter ends. So, actually, I feel like, and you can blame it on my memory if you want. Maybe some of this stuff I just don't remember as well or don't remember it being explained quite this way or perceived or twisted quite this way. But to me... This felt like there was a little more to this chapter than just, and you did this, and this happened, and this happened, and then this flashback, we're going to put that here. 
you know, there's a certain aspect with any long-standing comics character, especially Wolverine, who is kind of ageless in a lot of ways, um, and has a very long storied past that keeps getting filled in every time. But we'll have another one <laughs> on this episode, just a new episode from the past. Um, and I think, I could be wrong on that one, we'll, we'll come back, but I, we do have, speaking of, some Wolverine news. Uh, Larry Hammond doing a new patchwork, which is set in the past. So, so you know, you're always you know, continually adding stories to the past. And when you have a guy like Wolverine, he's practically immortal and ageless. You know, you can just keep throwing stories in the past, and it doesn't matter. It's no big deal. Um, I forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> but, um, oh gosh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, so, so you have an opportunity, and sometimes a need, even, with with characters like this who have such a long past that spans many 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 years and there's lots of stories that are tossed in at any given time there's kind of a, a desire to kind of shuffle that deck and put all the cards in order i feel like for most most of this little series that's kind of been what that was is like take a card here take a story from 2020 take a story from you know 1985 and put them actually in chronological order versus like publishing order. Like there's there's an there's an effort to that that I think is valuable but not necessarily like awe inspiring all the time. But I feel like this one's more than that. I feel like this one actually tried to add some like good story element and some some character to Wolverine. So I'm actually gonna give this one a little bit higher grade. I'm gonna give Life of Wolverine number six. I'm gonna give it um you know the art was a little cleaner at places. I'm going to give it five out of six claws. I really enjoyed this. So, there you go. If you haven't been reading these, and especially if you haven't, just because I've kind of been like, eh, whatever. Um, you know, maybe this is one you want to check out. Alright, so, that said, we're going to move to our main event, which is Ten Deaths of Wolverine number three. Now, this is Do or Die which is, of course, is written by Benjamin Percy, art by Federico Vicentini, colors by Dijolima, letters by VCs Corey Pettit, oh, and design also, and then other design by Tom Mueller. So cool that uh, Corey Pettit woo, is getting in on the design. And then our cover is by Adam Kubert and Frank Martin, and this is a great cover. This is a possible contender for a Wolverine Award. Um... Obviously, it's Adam Kubert, so artistically, it's amazing. Um, but also, besides just kind of the, the style and whatnot, it's also what it represents. So, we have like an orangey background, and then we have our Techno Wolverine. Oomch, <laughs> oomch, um, Sorry, our Omega Wolverine, or as Pat likes to call him, and we'll, we'll get some of Pat's thoughts here at the end of this, but um, uh, Terminator Wolverine. Anyway, he's in the background. He's got his classic Wolverine pose. He's got, you see a close-up of the cow and his face, and he's frowning. And then he's got his arms crossed in, in an X across his chest and the claws out on either side of his face as his kind of fist are up under, on either side of his chin. Classic Wolverine pose. But it's all, of course, techno-organic. So you have all the, like, the glowing yellow and gold and orange in that. And then kind of below his arms, the orange fades to black, and then jumping out of the black 
and outlined in white, which is really cool. Uh, you know, Marte Garcia, when he first kind of came on, especially when he was working on like Stuart Eminem, they did a lot of this stuff where they kind of outlined the characters in, in like a white outline uh, to separate from the page and to show the action. Um, here, Hubert and Martin do kind of the same thing, and it looks really great. And we have Wolverine, Laura, Scout, or Gabby, Honey Badger, and still my preferred uh, nom de couleur for her. And then Dawkins all jumping out of the black towards the reader. Claws out. Uh, Gabby and Laura are yelling. Dawkins is scowling. It's just, it looks great. It's a great cover. It really, really is. A really, really strong cover. So that's number three. So we start off in Krakoa. And we have an interesting scene where Gabby's kind of tagging along Wolverine, um, Laura. And Laura's kind of trying to like shrug her off a little bit, which... I don't know if there's any part of this issue that felt a little, like, contrived or untrue. It was that. We just had a couple issues of, like, New Mutants and, you know, kind of the fallout of the Hellfire Gala where Laura felt really bad because she wasn't there for Gabby. And, you know, I just, I don't know. I don't know if she would be like, hey, I, I got to get back to the treehouse and you go hang out with the other kids. Like, it just didn't feel quite right, but the art's awesome. It was great. And we get a nice double snicked as Wolverine senses somebody. It's, it's an astral projection of Xavier. And we get an awesome panel of Wolverine claws out and diving through the projection. And Xavier's like, I should know better than to surprise Wolverine. I need you for a mission. I need Wolverine to hunt Wolverine. I need you to go after this figure. We don't know exactly who it is, but we're worried about it. And of course, Laura's like, well, why can't Logan go? And Xavier's like, well, Logan is indisposed. And of course, we see the scene of Jean still hovering over Logan's head, you know, for the mission of 10 lives. And now we're going to send Laura on a mission for 10 deaths. And, you know, it's pretty cool. And then she goes, what we really need is a Wolverine. And then Gabby jumps out of a tree and goes, I think he meant to say Wolverines, which is such a great page and a great panel and Xavier smiles and we can't see Laura's face but Gabby's got a claws out which by the way so it looks like Gabby has done something her claws glinting in the light like it has adamantium now, I thought her claw was just bone but this appears to be an adamantium claw so I don't know if she did something again in the resurrection maybe that's her idea but I don't know Anyway, she has what appears to be adamant, her claw on her hand, her one claw, seems to be adamantium, and, but she's ready to go. It's just a great scene where she's like, nope, nope, you're not going without me, and they're going to hunt Wolverine down, Logan down, or this character down. Um, so then we go to California, the Epiphany campus, um, where we have this um, Shakladar, Dr. Shakladar, who runs his business. And, you know, has kind of this innovative, future-looking thing. He's about to reveal a new product. But, um, Dr. I'm sorry, Agent Ramirez from the ex-desk of the CIA shows up with the team. And like, hey, we got to get you out of here. He's like, are you kidding me? It's like the biggest reveal of my career. I can't leave. And so, you know, he, he continues with this presentation. And then we see a police car driving towards the door, and it's our Terminator Wolverine. I'm going to go with you, Pat. I'm just going to call him Term Terminator Wolverine. Um, 
And he pops out of the car with a snicked. It's a great panel, a great snicked. Because um, the car comes through and all the security like like points their guns at him. They're like, hands up, hands up. And he gets out of the car, opens the door, pops his claws with the snicked, his techno-organic claws. And they're like, uh-oh, or uh, how about hands down? This is definitely hands down. Um, a potential snicked of the year um, already. I know we're early, but... Man, it's, it's great. It looks awesome, too. Um, so I have my hands down. And, um, you know, and then the alarm starts going off in the building, and Shakurai's like, oh, man, you were right. And our Terminator Wolverine starts cutting through the security guards, and we see that Moira is ha- hanging on underneath the security helicopter, and she spots techno-organic Wolverine, and she doesn't see it as a negative thing. She sees it as, in some crazy way, giving her hope. Because in all the different scenarios she's lived out, um, you know, the, the technology wins. The mutants have failed every time against the humans, against AI. And every time I bail them out, but something's changed. I'm no longer the savior. I'm their Judas. They've sent an assassin from the future to end me, which must mean I'm responsible for ending them. In a crazy way, this gives me hope. And, oh, some words, I missed something here. Um, yeah, she talks about, and maybe it's later in the issue, how this whole situation gives her hope that maybe there can be an 11th life for her, even though she's lost her mutant power. Um... And I think it will have to do with the AI and the robotics and stuff that she's going to talk with Dr. Shakodar about. But, um, anyway, yeah, so she's like, very much is now like a Terminator story where, you know, the assassin is sent from the future to go to the past and kill the person responsible. Um, then we go, uh, Shakodar goes to his base north of San Francisco, his private kind of hangout, his lab. Um, and Moira had tagged along and she takes him at gunpoint, brings him into the lab and he's like, well, I don't, what do you want? Money? My life? And she's like, no, no, no. We're going to help each other. And she tells him the whole story and he believes her. And so they're like, well, let's get to work. And they decide to get to work. <laughs> and so and then we get another awesome techno-organic snicked. Um, as Wolverine's like, you don't get it. You can't stop me. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to do anything but win. And, he, you know, he pulls a gun, he shoots some guys, he stabs some guys, and then Laura shows up and tackles him. Who are you? Um, he's like, Laura, if I have to, I'll kill you. And she's taken a little off guard. She wasn't expecting this, what she assumed as a faux, false, imposter Wolverine to recognize her. And so they, they tussle a little bit, and then Gabby jumps in. And she stabs him. Again, claws look pretty adamantium here. Um, and so she gets on there. And then Dawkins shows up. There's a whole family reunion. I'm just an awesome fight. Um, you know, Dawkins gets a double snicked as well. I don't think Gabby got a snicked. No, she didn't. That's too bad. Um, anyway, Dawkins gets a double snicked. And he's like, hey, old man. And, you know, they fight some more. And, and Dawkins is the first one that realizes, you know, we weren't sure, but the way you fight, the way you speak, the way you smell, it's really you. Um, you know, as Laura had recruited Dawkins to come along, like, hey, maybe, you know, beating up on a fake 
Wolverine will help you with some of your daddy issues. <laughs> but he's like, no, you're the real deal. And so they're obviously confused by that and continue to fight. But then we get an awesome double snacked as uh, Terminator Wolverine refuses to fight anymore. And he goes, he looks down and he goes, none of you make it. And they all stop like, what? He goes, I know how each of you die. And he's hurt. And um, he bends over and the Lord's like, what's going on? And we see that the techno-organic mesh is trying to like put his arm back together from where they cut him. And she's like, he's sick. And then we see, uh, we go back to uh, San Francisco where Dr. Shakodar has made Moira a new robotic arm. And again, they just continue to work. And she says, this is her, oh yeah, this is her chance at 11th life being part of the robot. And um, yeah, so that's where, they, where they're going. And then we go a thousand years of the future um, and the preserve. And we see Logan as the last mutant. And he's like, Moira? I thought you were dead. And um, she's like, I will, I, you know, I've been watching you for centuries and your attempts to escape have always been half-hearted. And Wolverine just give up. And she has like techno-organic imbued in her and even like almost what looks like Omega Sentinel. Like her arm turns into a big cannon uh, like Omega Sentinel. So uh, Moira has been cyborged up um, to the max. And she blast Wolverine and she's there to kill the last mutant and that was the end of the story but the beginning of another one and you know the assumption then the phalanx will find his body and, and put him back together and send him back to stop Moira so I guess not only in this future does Moira feel like she must have betrayed the X-Men which it seems like she did but maybe she must piss off the AI too because I'm assuming I'm reading something into this. This is my guess, my theory. But at the end of this, that the next part of the story will be that the techno-organic creatures, um, the phalanx creatures, find Wolverine's body, help him pull himself back together. That's how we get this kind of Terminator Wolverine. But there's no one left to send him back but him. So either he has to talk them into it, or the techno-organic entities also want Moira dead in the past to change that future from happening. So, definitely some questions there on how that's going to play out. But um, either way, this art and colors, this book just looks amazing. Um, having all our Wolverine characters together and how they interacted with each other in this chapter was particularly enthralling. And the pace just continues, even with some of the kind of the down scenes of like, Almost what you can call it the technology montage <laughs> with Moira and Dr. Shakodar, um, you know, figuring out like what they're going to do next with the AI and, and the robotics. And that could have been slow, but it, it almost feels like that part of the action movie where, like, I mean, I, I hate to say it because I'm not a huge fan, but like the Michael Bay, like, kind of military marching music and just scenes in the lab of people doing like just kind of crazy, wacky stuff that doesn't necessarily make sense, but they move through it real fast to keep the pace going. And you know, at the end, you know, they do something awesome and have a breakthrough or whatever. And that's kind of the sense you get. I mean, it, this very much feels just like a badass, moving real fast action movie, you know, with time travel and intrigue and. 
I don't know, it's still hitting all my buttons. Um, so I'm going to give X deaths, I'm sorry, 10 deaths in Wolverine uh, number 3, uh, 6 out of 6 claws. I really am. I'm really, I'm loving it still. Um, so that's, I don't know, I mean, between the two titles, six issues in a row that have just blown me away. I am thrilled to be in this event right now. Um, yeah, I don't always do that. I, I definitely... I don't have as much event fatigue as some of my peers, um, particularly the uh, Scalvers, I think, are just kind of like over kind of this kind of thing. Um, this feels very organic. I love the way that the two stories seem to be kind of question mark dovetailing into each other. I think they will before it's done. But I just, I really love kind of both the similarities and the differences between the two titles. Um, as kind of one cohesive story and I don't know just having Gabby and Laura and Dawkin fight this old future Wolverine and and have kind of the conversation after the fight just it just really really worked for me um so Pat had commented on the Facebook page thank you Pat um about the not last episode but when we talked about issue two of 10 dust and you know he's he's the one that kind of specifically said Terminator Wolverine. <laughs> uh, so thanks, Pat. But, but he also kind of talked about how this just feels like just a really fast-paced like action movie, thriller, and comic book form. And yeah, we're, we're on the same page there. I'm, I'm loving this, Pat. I'm glad you're enjoying it, too. Uh, let me know your thoughts on this one as well once we get the episode up. But um, yeah, six out of six claws for sure. For sure. Alright, so we are going to next move to... There's a new X-Men Unlimited. This is number 23. And this continues... The Wolverine story from the first several chapters. Or first several issues. I kind of said, well wait a minute. That kind of ended abruptly. What happened? So now we're going to find out what happened in this next arc. So, the previous chapter was written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Declan Shalvey. Well, now, with Hickman's departure, uh, Declan Shalvey, who's, who's done plenty of really good writing as well, um, so it's not like this is not his tryout by any means. Like he's, he's a good writer and proven writer at this point. But um, anyway, written and drawn and art, everything by Declan Shalvey. Like he does it all on this one, which is pretty awesome to think about. Um... Except for the letters, of course. The letters are by VCs Josebino. And then the production, of course, for Marvel Unlimited um, is by Annie Ching and uh, Tim Smith III. So remember, we're in our Infinity Comics, which means if you, you know, read it vertically on your phone, it just is one big scroll through. Uh, this one has actually a little more panel breakup than what we might be used to on these, but I, I think it works to good effect. So... We start out 30,000 meters above the Caribbean Sea in the Blackbird, and it looks great, and the colors look great, so, you know, kudos to Shelby on that. Um, and they're tracking down the AIM-inducted mutants, and they're looking for one in particular. Um, so, you know, they found a team with a young girl, but Wolverine doesn't know who she is. And they're introducing themselves to the kid, and it's a Warlock and Guido, strong guy, are on the Blackbird with Logan. And 
and they're looking for a friend. He says, and Logan says, you know, you're a mutant too. What's your name? And her name is Maddie. And she's like, how did I get here? Is this Krakoa? And Wolverine's like, no, 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 not Krakoa. We found you in a stasis tube. Um, you know how you got there? And she goes, I, I don't know. I was running from some bad men in yellow suits. And, and they killed my parents. I'm on my own. And then if for nothing else, you got to love this. Because here's what Wolverine says. He goes, no mutants no mutant is on their own, kid. Not anymore. And, first of all, just the fact that that's how awesome that's where we are right now in the X-Universe, but also that Wolverine's saying that, right? It's maybe something like normally that Gene would say, maybe, or, you know, Nightcrawler, but, you know, one of your souls of the X-Men, for Wolverine to be like, no, man, we got you. Like, it's just really, really awesome. But then, of course, Warlock is like, um, Logan? We get a nice close-up and scrolling panel, so Shelby extends his neck, which is awesome. We see that in panel, right? But he just, we have like six word balloons that scroll down with a warlock's neck. Um, and his, his warlock looks amazing, by the way. It looks, it's very Sienkiewicz, um, which, if you're going to draw warlock, warlock is what, how you should draw it. But, um. Anyway, he's like, uh, we're, we're coming in for a landing. Um, don't see any life signs, so they're probably cloaking. Uh, we do get some energy signature that matches the AIM stasis tubes. Um, you know, there's nowhere really to land. And Logan's like, that's fine. Uh, and, he, and he'll jump. <laughs> so, so somehow he gets on out of that plane and on the island. And there's a really cool panel of him like peering, his face peering some from behind some jungle leaves on this jungle island, and um, we see him kind of stalking around some AIM soldiers, and he does some recon, um, he goes, I'm here to rescue him, not get more trapped, and he comes to this waterfall of this cliff, and there's a whole bunch of stasis tubes embedded in the cliff caverns and in the waterfall, and Wilmer's like, huh, this is weird, um, He's not real sure what to make of it. And he's like, why are they collecting mutants and putting them on an island? And they zoom in on his eyes. And he's like, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> and all, by the way, all the art throughout this is awesome. Wolverine's kind of hunched over. He's tracking in the jungle. He's got his claws out. He's standing in front of the waterfall. It all looks great. Um, but, but then he gets blasted and he falls. He hits the tube and and the tube falls with them, and they fall down, and the tube, of course, is empty. And he's like, oh, crap. <laughs> and AIM continues to shoot at him, um, and then, of course, he realizes it's set up, but he's like, why, why? And then he, he jumps out in an awesome panel, that classic, uh, I forgot the John Byrne cover that it is, but it's the one where he's got head down, he's got his arms kind of perched back behind him with claws out, almost makes like an M with his body and his legs kind of tucked behind him, he's flying through the air. Uh, Shalby does a great homage to that classic Wolverine pose, and he starts cutting through AIM soldiers, but he has a very big sense of urgency because, you know, if he, he's, he's trying to put together, like, they set this up for me. But it's a lot of trouble just for me. But then he realizes, no, 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 it's not just me. They want more mutants, and I just brought them more mutants. And so he, 
yells at the black bird, get out of the way, get out of the way, but Aim shoots him, even as they increase altitude, he still hits him. And Warlock's like, oh crap, we're going down, I think we can maybe correct it, but where's Maddie? And Maddie is gone. Um, and that's where we end, so, yeah, man, this art, I, I guess, I didn't realize when I first read this, that Shavi did the colors as well, which only makes this even cooler, um, it, just, it looks amazing. It's another another fast-paced action, um, intrigue Wolverine story. You know, he's trying to find the mutants that Aim stole. He thinks he does. He realizes it's a trap, but then he realizes it's not the trap that he thought it was. It's a different trap. It's kind of a cool little twist, and you know, it might might be a little more impactful if there were more mutants on the Blackbird besides just strong guy and, and Warlock's not even. I mean, really? I mean, is he? Um, but I guess he is. Um, yeah, but anyway, before I give my total thoughts, uh, Clint, friend of the show, Clint Buckler, uh, wrote in and gave me some thoughts on this issue. Because he actually, I mean, I would have found it, but he showed it to me first. He's like, hey, did you read... You know, it's a funny, a funny misunderstanding because Clint had sent a thing. Like, hey, did you read the new Declan Shalvey issue? Not going to cover it. And so, in the issue, like in the comics I've been buying, they just started running the ad for the print edition of the first um, Infinity Unlimited story with uh, Hickman and Shalvey, and they're they're touting there will be some bonus content of some sort in the print edition. I I'm really curious to see how they print this. Because <laughs> even you take the idea that you just turn it on its side, like I'm really curious to write the really, really long scrolls. Is it going to be like a fold-out? Like a, a, a horizontal? Like, Alright, so in the 90s especially, and you see it sometimes now, but especially in the 90s, there were a lot of double-page splashes, which were, you know, very in vogue at the time. But then also, one thing that's kind of I won't say unique to the 90s, but very, very stylish in the 90s, was you'd have a double-page splash that was sideways. So you read the book, you read the book, and then kind of like a centerfold, right? You turn the magazine sideways, and then you have this double-page splash. Sometimes, not always in the middle, so centerfold's not quite apropos. But um, anyway, you'd have these double-page splashes that are sideways. So also, something you saw in the 90s a lot, and still see sometimes now, is like an extra long or extra wide splash page when you'd have fold out pages so you know maybe you get to the middle of the book and there's a double splash when it folds out and it's really like four pages wide right and just a splash page so they could do they could do a combination of that right where you have these pages fold out and then you also turn it sideways so you get like this really long emulate emulate the really long horizontal scroll like in a physical page but anyway, I'm curious to see how that works and what the bonus content is. But anyway, that's not actually what Clint was talking about. He was letting me know that, hey, dude, check your app. The new issue's out, and we're picking up that story again. It's like, oh, cool. And also, Declan hopped in because um, uh, I'll tell you what Clint said when I read his thoughts here. But um, uh, yeah, anyway, let's read his thoughts. Um, Clint, thanks for writing in. Clint says, um, X-Men Unlimited by Declan continues to be a fun ride with each issue. The art is phenomenal. Yes, it is. And I like the small cast as I don't really remember a team up with Logan, Guido, and Warlock. I 
But I don't either. Not that specific team-up. I don't even really know if I've seen him do a whole lot with the two of them, even like in bigger teams, necessarily. And obviously, there's been times in crossovers where they've been in the same place at the same time. I'm, I'm scratching my head with my adamant and the tip of my adamantium claw. And I've cut through the hair and through the scalp and it's, it's claw on adamantium skull. And I cannot think of a time, even with Logan just having a whole lot of interaction with Guido in general, or Warlock for that matter either. So I could be wrong. I don't remember exactly. We're about there in the flashback episode, so I'll find out. I don't remember exactly what Wolverine's involvement in the Phalanx Covenant is. Then we'll find out. Anyway, anyway, back to Clint's thoughts. Sorry, Clint. I, uh, I rabbit trailed on, on your thought there. Um, chasing rabbits. Kind of what we do on this show. <laughs> anyway, uh, he doesn't remember that team up. And then he says, The platform of Infinite Comics is being, is being utilized well with long vertical panels telling the story. Um, and he said, As I mentioned on Twitter, I was scrolling down and just wanted more, but sadly, it was the end. <laughs> And he says, I was lucky enough to have Declan tweet a reply saying it was an excellent compliment. And um, I give this issue six out of six claws, one light story with stunning art and great use of the Infinite Comics platform. And I totally agree. I'm there with you, Clint. Uh, six out of six claws on this one. A lot of fun and great use of the platform. That Warlock panel alone, to me, make, justifies like doing the Infinite Comic. Because you have his head and you scroll down with the conversation... I mean, literally, one would be like two or three pages of just going down like his neck, and it's awesome. It's great. And uh, what is referring to? So, um, you know, we were going back and forth kind of about the issue, and I was like, yeah, I can't wait to read it, and um, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, and he had mentioned on Twitter in his tweet, like he did in this response, talking about how, you know, um, he was reading, and he, he kept trying to scroll down when it was done. He wanted to keep scrolling, but he couldn't. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I was like, that's that's the worst, but in a good way. And, and Shabby was like, best review ever. <laughs> or something to that effect. Um, and just took it as a, as a very, very fun compliment. And, he, you know, he had some fun interacting. With, I guess he had fun. I mean, we had fun. I can, I'll speak for myself, and I'm pretty sure I can speak for Clint, that we both enjoyed the interaction immensely uh, with Declan jumping in and just kind of chatting with us just for a second, just briefly. But, I mean, it's awesome. I mean, he's he's an artist I've loved for a long time. Um, I still contend um, that the story, the Deadpool story that he drew with uh, Wolverine and Captain America is probably the, des- the best quasi-serious Deadpool story of all time. And I, I'm not saying that, like, lightly. Like, I really do mean... Like, I, there's probably some, some stories that are funnier, but for a semi-serious Deadpool story, it does not get beat. I think it was a good, bad, and the ugly, I think is what it was called, or a play on that. It was not quite that. Um, maybe the good, bad, and the damned or something. I don't remember. But um, anyway, shall we? That's the first time I really remember, like, sitting up and taking note of Declan Shalvey, and I've been a super fan ever since. Because... Uh, and I talked about those shows on the, or talked about those issues on the podcast as they came out, and I gave them raving reviews, um, and still contend, like I said, that that is the best Deadpool story. Um, so yeah, again, Clint, thanks for for writing in and giving me your thoughts. Definitely love to hear that, and you know, anytime you want to send thoughts about issues, either. 
before. I covered those, so I can talk about them on the show like this, or you know, I can read them afterwards as well. Um, either way, but feel free, Clint, whenever you want. And any of you guys, really, um, y'all want to send some stuff in, I will gladly address it. I have a lot of fun with the interaction. And honestly, even, it just so happens on this particular example that Clint and I are in total agreement. We are, are, we're holding hands, our fingers are interlocked, we're, we're in this together. Um, but, you know, there's a chance we could have not been. And I think, you know, one of the reasons I love having guests on is there's that, you get that dialogue, right? And even if I can't always do that, and I'm, you know, I'm continuing to look for opportunities to have guests more and more. But um, even if I can't always do that, having just a different perspective or a conversation, even if it's just me reading it and then addressing it after the fact, or as I intend to do, interrupting. <laughs> Clint, it's just like you're on the show. If you're on the show, I would have cut you off <laughs> and messed you, probably messed you up and interrupted you, and I apologize. And I did the same thing even when you wrote in a little paragraph. But um, no, but I just really enjoy the idea of having someone's thoughts and opinions that aren't just my own. Because I love talking about this stuff, but I in no way claim to be an authority, so it's always fun to get other other people's input. So thank you, Clint. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm right there with you. Six out of six claws for Marvel Unlimited, X-Men, uh, number 23. Great story, great action, great art, and like Clint said, great use of the platform. So, all right, where we're going to go next, actually, is, if I can pull it up on my phone here, now, I'm kind of in a, in a place in my life where I'm in a mix of physical and digital comics. Some stuff I'm buying that I want to have, and some stuff I'm very content to just read it on the phone or the iPad, and that's where I have it, and that's good. Um, this is one of those. This is Electra Black, White, and Blood, um, number two. So this has three stories. It has Cut and Run, written by Peter David, penciled by Greg Land, Inks by Jay Shh, listen. Colors by Frank Diamarna. Okay. Then we have Verite, written by Al Ewing. And then Art and Colors by Rod Reyes. Ooh, awesome. That's a great creative combination there. Um, and then Yokai, I think. Georgie, is that right? It's in Japanese Y-O-K-A-I. I believe it's Yokai. Um, and this is all by Greg Smallwood. Then the letters are by V.C. Joe Caramagna, and our cover is by Adam Hughes. Now, I am a sucker, straight up sucker, for art, particularly pop type art, where the forms bleed together. So, for example, if you have like a, a foreground or an action item that's the same color as the black ground, the background, same color as the background, but you don't outline it, so it's like one big. So what I'm talking about, and this is the all right. So when uh, this this current volume Wolverine when it first started, there was a cover where the background was yellow, and everywhere where Wolverine's suit was yellow, it was just all one image, and then the only parts that actually like jumped out of the yellow were like his forearms and his claws and his gloves and the part of his cow and the parts of his suit that had color like the, the tiger stripes on his side but all the yellow in the suit was the same yellow as the background 
I'm a sucker for that kind of thing. And this cover does exactly that. So it's a red background. And we have Electra. And we see her face and her hair. But her, the top of her head, her headband or whatever, her head covering, is the same red as the background. It's a little bit outlined because it comes across the logo. But that's a cool effect as well. And then like her body, you know, her little bodysuit and then her leg wrappings and her arm wrappings are all just part of the background. And then you have like a piece of her shoulder, a little bit of side cleavage. Yeah. Um, and then her size and her hands and then like the, the part of her uh, thigh that is in black and white. And then the suit is all in red. But then you have a little bit of different color red in the background, this blood. It still helps you outline the body a little bit. It's it's a really cool cover. I like it a lot. It's, I'm not going to lie. It's pretty rad. So one of these stories, you might be wondering why we're covering Electra. Well, Electra and Wolverine like to cross the past every now and then. So this first story, Cut and Run, by Peter David and Greg Land, um, takes place in Magipur. And we have a woman, June, and she's meeting with a doctor, Ryan, and is the premise you get the idea they're trying to decide whether she's going to have an abortion or not because her boyfriend or the person who kind of like bought her so I don't know if she's like an escort or human trafficking something going on with this this assassin is out for blood um, you know he's like you're not going to take my baby away from me I'll kill you if I have to and you know he is he's out for it but then we see his he's got a goon with him and his goon gets stabbed through the chest from the back and you know it's electric is it's, it's an electric comic sorry stumbled a little bit there but it could also be wolverine um if you didn't know better but um anyway he falls down and we get a full page splash of remember these are all black and white with red highlights so we see Electra just with a pose, and she's in black and white, and her suit is red, and the tips of her sides are red with blood, and her lips are red. It's a nice little pose. I know Greg Land takes some shit sometimes, but this, this works pretty well. Then we go back like a little bit earlier, and Electra has meeting Patch at uh, the Princess Bar. And I love, I love what they do with Patch, because he's in like a white suit, but he's got a red shirt on underneath and that's in red of course and so he's talking about how he needs Electra's help and there's this woman who's in trouble with June and you know she's with this creep assassin who thinks he owns her and maybe he does and I need you to stop him and she's like well this sounds like exactly right up here Allie you like protecting women <laughs> who are vulnerable you like you know killing people so why aren't you doing this and he's like well this guy has a truce with Tiger Tiger, so I can't kill him. But not to say I can't tell you you should kill him. I just can't do it. So I'm just like, all right, we'll see. Maybe I'll kill him. Maybe I won't. Um, so yeah, she Wolverine does her patch does warn Electra. This guy's really really good. Maybe as good as her. She kind of scoffs, but as he pulls out his two katana blades, they have a pretty good fight. Pretty bloody fight. It's pretty evenly matched. And then he, he does the X-23 thing with the snick, but we take the T off the end and put an I in the middle. Uh, so it's S-N-I-I-K. Um, 
when he pops a, a toe, a blade out of his toe, out of his boot, and gets to drop on Electra, cuts her, and is able to cut her with a sword. It looks like he maybe has her down, but then, boom, a blam, and blood starts soaking through his chest, the red blood on his black shirt. And June had picked up the shotgun from his goon and shot him, and then she shoots him again, murders him. Um, Electra thanks her for the save, says, you know, if I need you to find another doctor, so I'll, I'll take care of it. You just, um, you know, you're going to get out of here. This isn't going to end here. They're going to hunt for you. And she's like, you know what? Let them come. I'm Electra. <laughs> Pretty badass. And then we see that, and then kind of a little twist at the end, we see June in the near future with her baby. And she's feeding him. And we find out that Dr. Ryan... Uh, who knows what the intentions were that day. But she kept the baby, and turns out that the Dr. Ryan, who could have helped possibly with an abortion, was actually the father of June's baby, and she um, is telling the baby all about her dad and how he helped women who were in trouble, and, you know, his name was Dr. Ryan. And it's it's a nice, sweet little ending. Um, That's a pretty good story. It's pretty fun. Um... I tell you what, Wolverine's not at all in the second one, but it is awesome. Uh, it is basically Al Ewing and Rod Reyes doing some film noir. Basically, they, they, there's a murder, and these two cops are looking at security feed, and it looks like the person is shot, but the 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 victim died from a stab wound. It's like, well, what happened? And they kind of, there's a lot of back and forth. There's a lot, a whole lot of mood and like play with shadows. Looks amazing. Ron Reyes doing stuff in black and white is all freaking awesome. Um, anyway, he's talking about, he's watching, you know, this is the male detective likes watching all these old movies. And, um, you know, in the movie, you guys talk about making a movie and about the frame rate. And he goes, <gasps> and so he goes back and he freezes the frame. And in one panel, kind of between the frame, we get a look at Electra's two's red sashes. And like, huh. And then they find a photograph of Wilson Fisk talking to a woman with red sashes. And they're like, oh, well, this ties Fisk to the murderer. But the guy gets very upset. He runs to the restroom. He throws up and he comes back. And his partner is dead and his desk is on fire. And so he starts running. And we see another security camera. And we see... In, in between the frames of the camera, he's running and he's dead in a pool of blood, and we don't see anything on camera. But the last panel is is kind of a fake of that freeze frame of her two sashes, and that's and that's all we see of Electra is the sashes in the freeze frame and the one frame of her talking to the kingpin, where you just see her in a trench coat with her sashes flowing behind her. It's all the same though, an awesome little story. Then our last one, my next small one, uh, Electra comes to Japan to a village and she's there to hang... I don't know what she's doing. It doesn't really say. There's actually no dialogue in this one at all. But she meets a little girl and that night there's a storm and the air siren goes off. It's a storm siren, but they're knocked over by this monster who grabs the girl and runs out into the shadows. Electra tracks her down, comes to a cave. This monster's like a Japanese cannibal demon lady. And Electra fights her and eventually decapitates her. But she was gnawing on some bones. And you're worried it's a little girl, but then you see Electra bring the little girl home. And it's, it's a, 
That's a sweet little story, I guess. Um, you know what? All these are pretty good. That middle one was great. If I had to grade just the one with patch, I'd probably give it like a high three, low four. But those, I'm going to go ahead and count those other two stories as well, which I would both give really, really high marks. Um, I'm going to give Electra Black, White, and Blood number two f overall five out of six claws. And that is going to take us then to our last thing to talk about today. And we're going to catch up on Dark Ages. Remember, Dark Ages is an alternate universe timeline um, that has a lot of Wolverine, Laura, and Gabby in it. And, um, yeah, this is Dark Ages number five, written, of course, by the divine Tom Taylor. Art by Yvonne Quello. Colors by Brian Raber. Letters by VCs Joe Sabino. And the cover is by... Von Quell and Frank Diamarna. Um, I will say this cover is pretty good. It's got um, our Venom Carnage hybrid that we've, we've had a hint at fighting Deadpool. And it's fine. There is a Peach Momoko cover, which I'm so in love with Peach Momoko covers right now, of Wolverine, Laura, that I am going to try to get. <laughs> but um, anyway, so. Remember at the end of number four, Nick Fury died, so we're having his funeral. Deadpool shows up. is very inappropriate. Even Gabby's like, dude, you're out of line. He's like, what? No, Nick Fury died. He's like, oh, okay. I am out of line. <laughs> kind of funny. Then we go back to uh, Paris with Apocalypse, and she's the purple man, to, you know, mind control of the greatest scientists on Earth, like Tony Stark and Reed Richards, etc. And they're working on this machine, and they go down to where... The Unmaker is sweeping in the, by, in the middle of the earth or underground. And even though Doctor Strange is dead, his spell is still holding him asleep. But there's this portal that seems, not only was there a massive EMP emitted that like, sent the heroes back to the Dark Ages of the world, but the portal is still open and there's kind of a constant low EMP that's like always coming through preventing the earth from ever really recovering. And the idea is Dr. I'm sorry, Dr. Apocalypse. That's a cool name. Um, Apocalypse wants his scientists, like I said, including Reed Richards, Tony Stark, Henry McCoy, and others. Can they contain like, the power in the portal so that he can go into the Unmaker and, I guess, wake him up? And, you know, rule the Earth. Then we see our, our heroes are going to go try to get track Apocalypse down. Spider-Man and Luke Cage, Jessica Jones, or Wolverines, Storm Nightcrawler. And even the kids are going to come along, and Deadpool leaves the march, and he has a party bus, a Deadpool party bus. And he kind of all aboard, and they get on, and they start driving. Um, they camp for the night. I really love, this is not the first time that we've had to team up with... Uh, Laura, Gabby, and Blade. And they hear some suspicious noise. They go out and check it out in the woods. Um, we get an awesome panel or page of Laura being chucked by something. And turns out it's Carnage slash Venom. One merged symbiote entity. And it fights Laura, it fights Gabby, it fights Blade. Here Gabby gets an awesome snicked. Um, and we hear her scream because... Alright, so they talk about how Gabby, you know, had the nanites that made her impervious to pain. So in addition to her healing factor, she also couldn't really get hurt either. Um, 
the EMP knocked those out. So now she's just she does still have her healing factor, but she's not impervious to pain. So this really hurts, and she screams really loud, and the campfire hears her. And they start to go out, but then the carnage, venom, symbiote comes back. He's got Gabby on one of his tendrils, and it goes after somebody. Is that Moon Girl? No. I don't know who this is. Um, maybe it is Moon Girl. It just, she looks really old in this panel. <laughs> it is. I just, well, she wouldn't be older now. It's the future, right? Um, yeah. Sorry. I'm not used to her not being, like, little. Anyway, um, of course, Devil Dinosaur jumps in the middle, takes a brunt of it, and he tries to eat Carnage, uh, spits him out, and, you know, they free Gabby, and... Um, there's a funny scene where Spider-Man shoots his webbing it's a thwap and Deadpool's like wait what thwap you make thwap now <laughs> he laughs about it and then um, Iron Man is, or Pepper in her steampunk Iron Man armor burns the symbiote and then Storm in an odd, one of the coolest Storm panels we've seen in a while thank you Tom Taylor and Yvonne Quello you look up and you see from the ground storm in a black cloud with lightning bolts all around her. An invisible woman, uh, Sue Storm, wraps everyone in an invisible force field as she sends the lightning down and fries the symbiotes. And underneath them, now free for the first time in a long time, and greeted by Peter Parker, is Miles Morales. And that's pretty cool. This story continues to delight. First of all, Von Quill is... Um, I mean, he was the best part of Venom books forever. And I would love to see him come to the X universe sometime or stay and do some Spider-Man stuff. But um, his art is just a pleasure. Um, and Tom Taylor is just one of the best guys in the business right now. So um, I'm going to give this a very high 5 out of 6 claws. I mean, it's, it's right there knocking on the door. Rums. You know, there's a part of me that sometimes, I don't know, it's hard for me to give, like, alternate story sixes. Because, like, well, I don't know. It'd mean more if it was quote-unquote in the universe. I know, I know that's dumb, and I need to get over that. I'm very, very self-aware. That's a stupid thing to feel. But, nevertheless, here I am. Um, but, yeah, alternate reality aside, stakes aside, it just, I don't know. To me, it's not so much about the stakes of this story. It's just the the team-ups, the interactions, the character development, and the emotion behind all this. Like It's just it's so well-written and so well-drawn. I mean, it's an easy five out of six clause for Dark Ages number five. And I think there's only one issue left. So um, we'll talk about that when it comes out. All right, well, there you go. That's our episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Um, yeah, it was so great to get back with Georgie. Can't wait to get Dan and Ian back on for some new X-Comics as well. Uh, we'll continue, of course, our weekly coverage of the Wolverine event, the Wolverine X-Men event. And I'm trying to read some stuff and get another flashback episode out for you guys soon as well. Now, I was looking at solicits. I thought this was a weekly series. I think we may get an off week next week if the website was, that I looked at was right. Because it did not have 10 Lives number 4 next week. 
So I'll kind of keep an eye on that for sure. Obviously, if it comes out, I'll talk about it. If it doesn't, then hopefully I can get that flashback episode done and to you guys. Um, if not, uh, I hate to take a week off, but I may have to. <laughs> you know, with all the stuff going on with the house, and, and I'm about to have a six-year-old, guys. My my little middle is not so little anymore. Um, yeah, Ollie's about to turn six. So, yeah. But there you go. Anyway, um, I really just hope everyone is doing well and okay out there. Please stay safe. Please stay well. We're still not out of the woods with all the, the pandemic stuff completely yet. And just all the just shit show going on overseas. Um, if any of you are over there or in the area at all, please, please, please stay safe. Um, but yeah, no, just it's just heartbreaking to, to think about kind of what's in the news right now. But I hope everyone's doing well. I hope every this can give you some maybe just an hour of hey, let's just think about something fun for a little bit. I mean, because honestly, I mean, good grief, I gave what I do. We covered in technically five comics today, and I gave a five, a six, a six. And a five, and a five. So that, some great comics this week, guys. So, you know, if you haven't read them, read them. Hopefully the show, you know, made your day a little brighter. Um, I'm sure it'd be even better if I had some other people on it, but I'm doing the best I can. Um, yeah, so just, just guys, y'all, please, be kind, be well, be safe, and we'll talk again soon. So as always, for the podcast that goes Nick, you can like the Facebook page, Twitter is at SnickCast, and show notes and stuff are at SnickCast.Podbean.com. So until next time, hugs and snicks, everyone. Bye-bye. And snacked.